now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Martimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now before I go on, this is really interesting scriptures here in 46, 47, and 48. 46 and 47, he heard that Jesus uh, the Nazareth was walking by, and so he cried out. And obviously, he had heard about the power that Jesus had, the miraculous that Jesus would be carrying with him everywhere he go. He'll see a lot of people get healed and so forth. How many of you know that he would not have known that if people haven't told him about Jesus? He wouldn't even have the faith in the first place to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it is so incumbent upon us believers to tell the world that we're living in that is hungry for solution, hungry for the authenticity of faith, that there is a God that is living and that He is doing miraculous and He's healing the sick. He's making a difference in people's lives because if you don't say it, people won't hear it. Last week we used the scripture, Romans 10, 17, faith come by hearing, hearing the word of God. That word, that, that scriptures in context is Paul speaking about us going to evangelize. He is saying that who can know about the gospel unless somebody is preaching to them? Who, you know, who is going to be preaching to them unless they're being sent? And then he says, faith come by hearing in the word of God. Is that when we speak the word of God, we bring faith to people's life. On, in cell group, when you go to small groups, you know, many of you go to small groups. I want to encourage you to discuss faith, to talk about faith, to encourage each other about faith. So that when you leave your small group, you have a lot of faith in the same thing coming to church on Sunday. Can you imagine that everywhere you go, there is an opportunity for you to build your faith. There's an opportunity for you to, 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 to renew your faith. And there's an opportunity for you to get your faith stronger. There will be, a, there will be such, a, such an amazing, amazing life to live because your, your life will be full of faith. And that which means you'll be full of miracles. So people will not have faith unless you tell them. You know, a lot of us, we think that Christians automatically have faith. Let me tell you this. Even leaders need faith. Even me need somebody to encourage me of my faith. You know, I listen to different pastors and I read the Word of God, you know, for the purpose of me getting my faith encouraged. I don't necessarily want to pursue revelation because revelation really does nothing unless there's faith involved. Revelation in the CFL is it's good for information. You know, human being, we are wired to, to be curious for more information. You and I are wired that. You don't even have to be a Christian to be curious about information. That's why there's higher learning, you know. Even after you graduate from university, you know, you have your PhD, you can still learn. You know, you can be a fellow of another, in another university to learn more. And even after that, you can just go on and, and learn more. You know, human being, we love information. We can eat up information. The more information we have, the better. And that's why a lot of times, you know, even those false information is very popular. I mean, don't, you don't believe me, you go check out all those YouTubes, you know. They have all these conspiracy videos. Do you know how many views those videos have? I'll be, you know, sometimes, you know, I, the other day I was just curious how many people believe the earth is flat. 
I was so curious. I wonder how many people, you know, you, you go to YouTube and you, you, you type out YouTube, um, flat earth, and there'll be a lot of those crazy theories about the earth is flat. And you wouldn't believe it. There are millions of people watching that. Millions. So human beings, we gobble up even if it's junk because we want information. But information in and of itself doesn't do anything to you. There are people there with a lot of revelation. Look at their lives. Are you here this morning? But faith, with the revelation of the Word of God, bring tremendous power, bring tremendous miracle. So when you want to hear the Word of God, I want to encourage you to be selective to hear about faith. That will lift your faith. That will encourage your faith. Will cause your faith to be excited. And so I do that all the time. I listen to faith. You know, if you want to go to YouTube, you know, YouTube can really waste your time. Before you know it, you know, the two hours will be gone. How do I know that? Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those guys that got trapped by it, you know. I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be going to, you know, you go for one purpose. You, you went there for one purpose, search for something, and before you know it, all the different curious things, oh, just pop up, you know, and it's by intention, right? So you just, you just click them, and you say, oh, it's just five minutes. Oh, it's just ten minutes. Oh, and before you know it, 30, 40, an hour has gone by, and, and you've just wasted your time, you know. So anyway, so my point is that, Revelation in of itself is useless unless it's pertaining to your faith, building up your faith, building up your spiritual man. Amen? So anyways, um, uh, but anyways, building up a faith requires that we hear the Word of God, to hear the Word of God. So this, this beggar, he heard about Jesus, the son of David, that was able to do great and powerful miracle. And, and all of a sudden, he started to have faith in Jesus. Okay, and then when he heard Jesus walk by with full of faith, he screamed, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people around him say, oh, just shut up. Just shut up. Be quiet. Don't make a seed, man. How many of you know that when you're absolutely desperate, and not only desperate, but you're absolutely full of faith in what you're doing is true. You don't really care what other people think. You don't really care. You know, when a person is, uh, is, is diagnosed with, um, you know, the other day we were, we were talking about how, you know, when you're in hospital. And uh, many of us have been in hospital. I have been in hospital too. And, and when you're in hospital, you know, depending on the sickness and and sometimes they, they, the, the staff, you know, in all the goodness of their heart, they treat you. But, you know, for, for you, they just, for them, they, you just the object of their work. So sometimes they don't really treat you with a lot of dignity. Right? Sometimes they can, you know, how they have changed you, you know. They, they, you know it, it's just, it's just, and so when you're really sick, you really, dignity is not the primary concern for you, Right? You don't go, don't, don't look at me. Because when you're really in pain, all you care about is a solution. And I don't know if many of us are in that place of desperation that we do not care anymore what people think. All we want is a solution. In that place, in that moment, in that desperation, Many have seen amazing miracles, signs, and wonder because they don't care what 
people think anymore. So as long as you worried about what people think of you, worry about what they care, to, uh, what they would say about you, then you're holding yourself back. It's the same as praise and worship. Some of you have experienced immense benefits in praise and worship. You lift your hands and, 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 and you've even done cartwheels in the past, you know. I'm not encouraging chaos, but I'm encouraging you to be bold in your worship to God. Because when you're bold in desperation for the presence of God, you don't really care who is looking at you raising your hands anymore. You don't really care about who is saying or what about you. You don't really care about your dignity. All you care about is you want to have an encounter with God. And when you're in a place of desperation, guess what? You will have an encounter with God. You will experience the power of God like you've never experienced before. That's why when, when you come to praise and worship on Sunday morning, be desperate. Come to God and say, Lord, unless I see you face to face, I would not want to let you go. It'd be like Isaac, you know, fighting with, with God himself. You, you got to bless me. I'm going to let you go. Even if you hurt me, I'm going to let you go. That's how desperate he was. And he, become, he limped for the rest of his life because of his desperation. Guess what? The, the result is, the result is amazing. God blessed him immensely. So here, this beggar, this blind man of Bartimaeus, he didn't care what people say. So people said, shut up. What do you do? Did he go, oh, excuse me, sorry, sorry I bother you. A typical Canadian, right? Sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I can just imagine if he was Canadian. You know, Jesus was on earth. I just do some imagination with me, right? Oh, Jesus, son of David. Excuse me, sorry. Excuse me. Have mercy on me. Oh, shut up. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Pardon me. Pardon me. Well, the Bible says he wasn't apologetic at all for his bonus and his desire for a miracle of God. Never apologize for your desperation for God. I'm going to repeat that again. Never apologize for your desperation for the presence of God and for the power of God. Never apologize for that. So he cried out. The Bible says, even louder. You know, the, I said it just now. Every time when you have an attack in your life, the purpose of the attack is to shut you down. Many of us have attacked in our lives. You know, the other day I was sitting, I was talking to someone, I said, you know, I just, sometimes I feel so sorry for the people that they, they, when they sign up to serve God and they make a decision to follow Jesus, they, they, they don't realize that they become a mark for the devil. And the devil will send all kinds of attacks so that the devil could discourage them. And so the Holy Spirit remind me, remind me of the story. Don't, don't feel sorry for them. Don't feel sorry for them because that's how the devil works. But to encourage them to do it even more. So whenever you are committed to something, you're committed to faith. Let's say you're committed to, obey, to, obey, to be obedient to the Lord. And guess what? The enemy is going to send you all kinds of trials to test that obedience, to test that faith of yours. What are you going to do? Are you going to retrieve? I will say you shout even louder. So when you come and worship God, if you're especially when you're under attack or you feel like you have failed, you ought to be the loudest in worshiping God. Not the most timid one. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
oh, woe is me, things are bad. And then you think to yourself, I will only worship God when things are well. Then you will never worship God. Because I'll tell you this, as long as you have a desire to, desire to worship God, they're always going to be in opposition to you because the intention is to shut you down. But for this guy, people wanted to shut him down. Oh, shut up. You're just making a scene. Then the Bible says what? This man cried out even the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, do you think Jesus heard him the first time? Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus heard him the first time? Of course he did. Why did Jesus ignore him the first time? Right, if Jesus heard him the first time, you know, some of us, you know, we, 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 we just, we just, we just, we just allow, always assume, you know, God, you know my heart. I don't have to pray. No, you need to pray. You need to pray the more. Now, Jesus heard him the first time. He felt like Jesus ignored him. And then people shut him down. He cried out the louder. And this time, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And he called the blind man, saying to him, be good, of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. And as soon as he heard that Jesus is calling him, throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. It's really interesting. He didn't hear Jesus directly. Somebody had to tell him. Somebody had to tell him. So he did not get the instruction directly. He heard it from someone else. Many of us may not have instruction from God directly. Sometimes your instruction Maybe from somebody else. And what did he do? He, throw, he threw aside his garment, rose, and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered, said to him, what do you want me to do? The blind man said, Rabboni, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. And immediately he was healed. Now, from the time he heard that Jesus gave instruction to him, through the time that he received healing, Something very critical transpire. It's what I call obedience. Now, just think of this. If he were to be in our North American, modern, Western culture, I can imagine he would say something like that in his heart. Jesus, I'm blind. I can't see. Don't you have compassion to come my way? I suppose to get a blind man to walk to you. That's what a lot of people will say. When they receive an instruction, the first thing they'll do is to challenge the instruction as if God had to defend himself. God never had to defend himself. The benefit is not to him, it's to us. Every time we obey, the benefit is not to Him. When you obey God, it's not to His benefits. There is not one thing you can add to Him. Not one. Not one tiny thing you can add to God. He has everything. He has ev all the glory, all the power, everything that He needs. He owns everything with, the, with, 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 with an instruction. Everything came to being. He is God that owns everything in this realm and many other realms. There's not one thing. Now, one obedience of ours is going to bring any additional glory to Him. You can't add to God. The obedience is for us. 
A lot of times we feel like we can actually have God defend Himself. And that when we can have God defend Himself, we feel like we are actually at the same level as He is. How do you expect to see miracles in our lives with that attitude? So this blind man, he heard the instruction. He never questioned it. He never went, well, I don't know, is it Jesus? Are you sure it's Jesus? And he never go, well, you know, why, why don't you come to me? Why do I have to go to him? Why is it so complicated? Why can't he just say a word and heal me like he did with other people I heard? How come he had to, had to, I have to make my way over there? I'm blind, can't he see? Why does he have no mercy? Questions, questions, questions like the days that we're living in. You see, in the days we're living in, obedience is very, very difficult. In fact, I would say this, obedience is a dirty word. Do you know that in our culture, in the modern culture, in the environment, so-called a democracy environment, that obedience is a dirty word? Because obedience would mean that you need to submit yourself to somebody else's liking. And because that is so difficult, you would put yourself in such a vulnerable position. Who wants to do that? Now, I do understand that there have been many, many people abuse their power. And many of us have been victims of people in authority and people with power uh, had hurt us. We have been a victim of their abuse. I understand that. We're living in a culture that we've seen so many betrayals by those who had power. And so we are very suspicious when people tell us to be obedient of one thing to another. And so it's become very difficult when it comes to obedience in the word of, to the Word of God, to the instruction of God, because we always have the same attitude of asking questions. You know, this blind man, he had lived the life of having to listen to people all his life because he was blind. People would tell him, okay, come here. You need to walk in this direction. You know, you need to walk this direction, and you need to sit here because it's safe. He had to trust somebody. And so he had to obey all his life. He had a lifestyle of having to listen and obey people. So it was easy when Jesus said, come. He wouldn't even ask any questions. He would just go, left everything, the Bible says, threw everything, threw his garment and went to Jesus. But it's very difficult for those of us who are living in this time, in this hour, because we have been conditioned not to be obedient. In fact, the narrative is, and we have bought it and believe it and absolutely convinced of it, is that obedience is bad. It's like all virtues in the Bible. All these virtues in the Bible. You know, what has been good, all the virtues, what had been good, the world had perverted it. The church, religious church, a religious institution had shamed it. But in the kingdom of God, it's still good. You know, the abuse of pe people abusing the authority and power does not invalidate the virtue. 
does not invalidate the truth. Just think about this. People don't want to give these days because there has been a lot of abuse in churches, political power. It's a lot of abuse. People don't trust preachers, churches anymore. But that abuse does not invalidate the truth. Abuse cannot never, never be put above the truth. You know, you don't want to, there's a saying, you don't want to throw away the baby with the bath, throw away the baby with the bath water. And that saying is that, you know, yeah, there are some really bad things, you know, dirty, yucky stuff, but you still don't throw away what is good. And obedience is one of those virtues in the Word of God has been taught throughout the Bible. If you listen, and we talked about it last week, obedience is one of those virtues that we must never forsake. We need to learn and cultivate a lifestyle of obedience because it makes a huge difference between your wishful thinking and your faith walk with God. We spoke about it last week. And so I want to encourage you, you know, um, uh, our culture says don't obey, don't be a fool, don't submit because there's a bad thing. You're going to put yourself in a horrible position. Look at all the bad examples of people submitting to become fools, you know. They become a mockery to society. Look, look at their lives. And it's true there has been a lot of abuses. But I pray that the Holy Spirit will give you a new revelation this morning that obedience is not a dirty word. Obedience is a virtue, especially for our faith. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slave, you are slaves to the one you obey? Isn't that true? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, either way, you are submitting to something. But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Because of that, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Do you know what Paul was saying here? Whether you like it or not, you and I are obeying something. We are serving to something. You say, no, I'm free, I'm independent, you know, I'm independent thinking. Those are deception. There's no such thing. You and I are obeying something. Whether we like it or not, we are obeying something. And what I'll show you later on is that whatever you obey, is what it's, uh, uh, whatever you obey, it, you will yield fruits accordingly. But you and I obey something. Paul was saying, before you were Christians, you know, a lot of people say, I don't want to be Christian, you know, because so much, a lot of rules, a lot of, a lot of limitation. I want to be free. I want to be free to take drugs. I want to be free to party. I want to be free to have sex anywhere and everywhere to whomever I want. I want to be free. They thought that's freedom. 
But as many of them today, they are in bondage. They, 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 they are just, it is just bound up by the habits, by the addiction, or by whatever. They're not free. They keep looking for more solutions every day to feel like they can be free. But the truth of the matter is that whether you like it or not, we are obeying to something. And Paul was saying to those people in Rome, saying, listen, man, you used to, even before you were Christians, you were not free. You were slave to sin. You may feel like you're free, but because now you chose God, you obey His righteousness, and you have all these amazing fruits of righteousness coming out of you. So whether you are Christians or not Christians, whether you choose to obey God or not obey God, you're obeying something. When you're not obeying God, you're obeying something. I would propose to you that you obey to the gods of this world. The Bible says it's Satan and all his vices. You know, this day and age, there has been more cry for freedom than ever before in the Western culture. All kinds of protests are going on. All kinds of... All kinds of uh, uh, you know, uh, riots are going on all over the Western world. And if you were to look at the definition, we have not had such a freer society, uh, a freer society than the ones that we have today. Why is it that young people still feel like they're constrained? Why is it so many people feel like they're still in bondage? And they think that certain certain rules and laws is the one that had, had, had bound them. Even if you give them all the freedom in the world, they still will not feel free. Because the truth of the matter is they're still bound. And they know it. And they're struggling to get themselves free. And they try this, try that, try another freedom, try that. Eventually they still feel bound. Because we are all bound to something. Now, Whatever we yield to, we will produce fruits accordingly. If we yield to self, if we yield to flesh, if we yield to the world, yield to the devil, yield to sin, you don't even have to try. Fear will come. Confusion will come. Hopelessness will come. Hollowness will come. Depression will come. Sickness will come. Poverty will come. Whatever you yield to, you don't need faith. You will see the fruits. Whatever you yield to. So if it's the sin, the self, the lust, to the things of the world... You don't have to try. How many of you, have you, have you, have you met anybody say, I try to have sickness? Have you, have you, have you met people, I, I try to be sick? You don't have to be try, honey. It'll come to you. You don't need faith for sickness to come into your life. Are you here this morning? So why is it that healing doesn't come as easily? Well, it depends on what you yield to. Now, come on, come on. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Remember, this is a fruit of the Spirit, right? How many know what a fruit is? 
Fruit is a result of something, right? It's not like you, you do it. It, it just don't even have to try. It's a fruit. It's like an apple tree. You think the apple tried to produce apple? Does the apple try to produce apple? No, it comes naturally. It, oh, that's an apple, right? It doesn't have to squint and yell and scream and spit to have apple come out. Are you here this morning? Because it's the fruit. Watch this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, song, suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Now, some translations say faithfulness, which I, I want to submit to you is wrong translation because the Greek word is pisti, which is faith. That's why I like King James in this one. It's a direct, correct translation, pisti. So in other words, when you have the Spirit of God, when you obey God, Fruits of faith come naturally. That's my point exactly. A lot of people try faith. Oh, try, oh, oh, God, oh, God. Fast, fast, 41 days. You know, I remember when I was uh, in Korea, and I, I just love some of those Christians in Korea. They're just so amazing in prayer. I went to this prayer mountain, and um, uh, Korea, they have this prayer mountain, and and uh, I, will, I will come out in the evening, just walk around the prayer mountain, and they have like tens of thousands of people praying all throughout the night. And, and I was told that some of them fasted for 40 days in the prayer mountain, in this little hole in the grotto. And, and you know, those are not big holes. You can't even stretch. Like I had, I had myself one of those. You had to rent it. So I rent this little grotto. You know, I, I heard so many great things about it. I had to try it out, right? So I have determined that I will go to fast three days, three nights, praying. Oh, so spiritual. Just go into the hole. And just pray. No, no cushion. It's hard floor, man. It's hard floor. And, and it's so small, you can't stand. There's no way you can stand unless you're a midget, right? So it's really small. If you stand, you have to stand like that. And, and, and it's, so, it's so small on the side, you can't, you, you can't do this. It's like, right? And they made it so that you are in a prayer position with the Bible in front of you, and that's it. And you're supposed to be in that posture for three days, three nights. Well, of course, I couldn't last that long, right? I, I actually, they, they also, if for, you know, for people who, uh, who can't handle it, they have hotels out there you know, around the prayer mountain for you to rent. And so I had a hotel room too. So I go between the hotel room and the prayer god roto. And the reason I did that was because I, want, I wanted to see miracles in my life. So I try, I try really hard. I shouldn't say I try. I try, try is the operative word because, you know, I didn't succeed because after a day and a half, I was so hungry, I had to eat. So I broke fast, you know, like, sorry, God. I, one of the things I don't understand about the prayer mountain is that why do they have so many restaurants around the prayer mountain? It was crazy. So I remember I was walking down, you know, in the street, and they had this little village right up in the prayer mountain, and you can smell the food. It's like, oh, Shaka, it's like God is calling me to quit fast, you know. <laughs> oh man, I tell you, I worked really hard for my faith. I didn't understand this principle of obedience. I didn't see any miracle. I hardly could see any miracle. I pray for people, you know, people don't get healed. I cast the demons out and demons laugh at me. Ha ha. It was frustrating. It must be so frustrating for many Christians that they heard the Bible say one thing and they try and it didn't work. 
It wasn't until I learned about obedience that I started to see miracles in my life. One of the first lessons of obedience I had was God told me to apologize to everybody that I have offended. As you know, no, no, sorry. Had offended me. Because I wouldn't know who I offended sometimes, you know. With my mouth, who would know, right? I could open my mouth and people get offended. But that I, I, I need to call everyone that had offended uh, um, uh, me. And I am to apologize. And that process broke me and forced me to be humble. I resisted that call, that prompting for years. Because I just couldn't, it didn't make any sense to me. What do you mean, God? I'm the hurting party. I'm the offended one. I'm the victim here. You want me to go apologize as a victim to the people who inflict pain on my life? Are you kidding me? There's no justice. So I thought it wasn't the voice of the devil. I mean, so it wasn't the voice of God. It was the voice of devil that want me to do that. And so I could try really hard, try to pray and fast. I, I did try to fast for 11 days. Just water. And I thought that by, the, by 10 days, at least by the seventh day, heaven will open, Jesus come down, angels sing around me. Nothing happened. It was as quiet as ever before. Nothing. No answer to my prayer. Nothing. It was empty. Because I was still living in a rebellious lifestyle. Oh, to the world, I was religious, all right. I worship, I praise, I pray, I fast, I read the Word. But in my heart, I was resisting an instruction from God. So nothing. And I tried to have, you know, rely on somebody else's faith, have people to pray for me, you know. I went to all over the world to look for solutions, you know, like you went to Korea, right? You're just trying to fast, you know, in the grotto, you know, torment myself. I'm not saying they're not good. That's another day for another discussion on that. Fasting is good, praying is good, but most important is obedience. If you do out of obedience, perfect, but if you do it out of rituals or try to manipulate God, try to coerce God, try to cause God to listen to you, then don't even try. You're going to waste your time. So just eat all you want, have the steak you want to eat. Don't bother. So until I start picking up the phone and start apologizing to people that had, I felt had hurt me, I called them up one by one. Took me quite a few months. <laughs> I felt like a victim of many people's doings. One by one, I called up. I just want to let you know that I'm so sorry I held a grudge because I felt hurt. It's, I'm not asking you to apologize to me. I want you to forgive me because I've held grudges. As soon as I started, I haven't even finished yet, just started obeying God. I started to see the miraculous. I started to see things happen. What is it that God is speaking to you today and have been prodding your heart, prompting you that you're resisting? You can pray all you want, memorize all the scripture you want, go to all the conference you want, get all the revelation you have. Ten years from now, you'll still be in the same place. No difference. All the wasted effort. All the effort would have gone to nothing. 
What is it that God has instructed you to do that you should humble yourself to do? Don't look at me. I'm not your God. He is your God. Perhaps start in the area that you struggle the most. Some of you are struggling in your finances. Maybe you should obey God in your finances. What has He told you? What did you know about the truth? How about forgiving of someone? Some of you are having problems with relationship. Some of you are having problems sticking around in the relationship. You know, your partner is not going to be a solution for you, however beautiful she is or however handsome and buffed he may be. Not the solution. Those muscles are going to go anyways, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. It's so hard. It's so hard just to go to gym and lift those weights. I have to double my effort. But what is it that God has instructed you to do today over the last 20 years, last five years? You can go through everything and, and, and not obey God and will not get the results you want. Oh, I pray in this house there will be testimonies of victories in people's life, of prayer being answered. Are you not sick and tired? Are we not sick and tired of not having our prayer answer? Worship team, come on up. We're going to wrap it up right now. Are you not tired of praying and have no answer? That's just being religious, right? We have tolerated prayer, a non-answer prayer. I used to feel good about myself after I prayed for an hour, even though I had no results. I thought, oh, you know, I just put in an hour. Praise the Lord. But if you were to ask, is there any results in your life? Um, no. But God is pleased anyways. What well, is He? Is He pleased with a lot of prayer time? Prayer is never for God. It's for you. It's for you. You add nothing to God when you pray. You add nothing, at least to the God that we serve. Some other gods, maybe you add something to them, if you know what I mean. But the God we serve, we add nothing to Him in our, in our, in our rigmarole, in our religious rituals. What God wants to do, the Word of God, is a manual for you and I to succeed greatly. Mm-hmm.